Welcome to An Apple a Day, a podcast, a resource, a community. Share your experiences and learn from others as we overcome barriers and learn to live a happy, healthy life with a disability. Welcome to the community. Here's your host, Jimmy Apple. Welcome to another episode of An Apple a Day. I'm your host, Jimmy Apple. How you feeling today, my friends? You're feeling good? You're feeling strong? You're feeling better than you did yesterday? Excellent. You can't ask for better than that. How you making out? Are you, you taking care of yourself? You going to the doctors? You going to physical therapy like you're supposed to be doing? You getting your medication? Hey, you're only halfway through the summer. Keep it up. Keep up the good work. Hey, we have got a good one for you today. Before I tell you, though, I got to remind you, an apple a day is brought to you by www.famousapple.com. Famousapple.com is the home site for this podcast. So if you get a minute, check it out. And while you're tripping around the web, make sure you stop by Living With a Disability. That's our group page on Facebook. You get there by going to www.famousapple.com forward slash group. There's a lot of people over there talking. They're chatting. They're chatting with each other. They're asking questions. They're answering questions. They're making friends. Go over there. Check it out. It's www.famousapple.com forward slash group. Like I said, we have a good one for you today. We have with us Melissa Mayer. She is a busy, busy person. She is a wife. She is the mother of two girls. She is a holistic physical therapist. She has a a doctorate in physical therapy. She has over 14 years experience working with patients in in the traditional healthcare system. She now treats patients in a private holistic practice. She is the author of a book, Recovering My True Self. It's about her journey after donating a kidney to her husband. Yes, she donated a kidney to her husband. This woman is fantastic. She She's a joy to talk to. We covered so many topics in this interview. You're not going to want to miss it. We covered everything from holistic healing to miracles to life after death to guardian angels. You're not going to want to miss this episode. And you're going to be so impressed by her. I know I am. She's a gentle soul with such strength. That's the only way to explain it. She's a gentle soul with strength. But you know what? Let me have Lisa tell you more about Melissa. All right, so sit back for a second and just listen to this. Who is Melissa Mayer? She is a holistic physical therapist and author of Recovering My True Self, which is about her journey donating her kidney to her husband and the associated transformation and self-discovery she gained as a result. Her professional and personal experience in healthcare and wellness are vast. She have a doctorate in physical therapy and over 14 years experience working with patients in traditional healthcare settings and currently treat patients in a private holistic practice she has established. Her book has been described as a transformational journey that will be helpful to anyone seeking to become more aware of their own life's trajectory. She is also passionate about Waldorf education, attachment parenting, meditation, Buddhism, creative recovery and, of course, in miracles. 
Melissa Mayer received a doctorate in physical therapy in 2006 from the University of Medicine and Dentistry of New Jersey and worked for many years as a physical therapist in New York City. She now works as a holistic physical therapist and is also a mother, writer and activist. Melissa has spent the majority of her life faithfully searching, contemplating, studying, and traveling. Along the way allowing in love, self-awareness, and adventure, which have led to growth, expansion and freedom. She is eternally grateful for all the miracles in her life, excited at the opportunity to share this journey with others, and eager for more. She spends her days caring for her family, treating patients, walking, writing, meditating, doing yoga, and going to the beach. Melissa lives happily ever after, on most days, on the spiritual path in Hampton Bays, New York, with her husband and two daughters. And now, back to Jimmy. Thanks a lot, Lisa. So, without further ado, let me introduce you to this strong, gentle soul, Melissa Mayer. So sit back, relax, get a cup of coffee, and enjoy this interview. All right, as I promised you, I have Melissa Mayer with us, and she is an author, a survivor. She is a holistic physical therapist. She's a wife, a mother, and her husband's best friend. How are you doing today, Melissa? Doing fabulous. Thank you for having me, Jimmy. No, thank you for being here. Plus, I'm going to make everyone jealous. She is in the Hamptons. (laughs) (laughs) Right now, she's looking out over the ocean, and I dare to say she's sipping a Mai Tai, and... (laughs) She's got a cool breeze blowing in. This is all my fantasy right now. But <laughs> we'll, we'll put that to the side. <laughs> Melissa, you have some story. And I don't even know where to start. But I'm going to start with the fact that you donated in 2018 a kidney to your husband. How did that, yes. even, how did that even happen? What, what, what was wrong with your husband medically that you had to donate a kidney to him? So he was born with a genetic disorder that is still relatively unknown. They've done a lot of research on it since, uh, you know, over the past decade, and we've learned a lot. But um, basically, it's not progressive, thank goodness. It's called dense disease. But it it was known that he was always going to need a a transplant. He was going to need a transplant at some point. He always had protein in his urine as a kid. He was closely followed by some of the best nephrologists in New York City. His mom was very vigilant in getting him good care. And he was followed, and they knew at some point he was going to need one, but they weren't sure when. They didn't know the progression of the disease. We knew each other since high school, so we had dated and went to college and got married. And he was followed by by his nephrologist all through that time. And then at a certain point... They said, well, actually, his nephrologist retired. He started seeing a new one who said, all right, we really need to get the kidney transplant process underway. So I, we had all gotten tested. And then when they found out I was a match to be a donor and that I wanted to be the donor, they said we could put the process on hold 
and just monitor his creatinine until it was a really, really critical point. And that was seven years from that point, which was kind of, I think, part of one of the biggest miracles of it all, that we were able to have our children, able to move out of New York City and out here to the east end of Long Island, where we live now. And, you know, it goes to show, too, just as sophisticated and miraculous as our modern medicine is, there's still things that they don't know. And it was kind of like when we thought I was going to be the donor. I thought, you know, we thought this was it. But then we had seven years to just live our lives very freely. And I'm so glad we did able to have young children and, you know, kind of not be burdened with it at that point. Wow. Wow. Was he diabetic? No. Wow. No, he's not diabetic. He's otherwise, besides the kidney, very healthy. He did have some cardiac stuff going on in high school in terms of the sac around his heart, the pericardium, which he needed some interventions for, but otherwise his heart, the rest of his body, very healthy. It was always just the kidneys that needed intervention. And now he's perfectly fine? He is. He is. He's a full-time physician at our local hospital, so wow. he's, in, he's in good shape. He wakes up, he goes to the gym before work, he works very long and demanding hours, but he's so energetic. He's a great father. He plays beach volleyball. I mean, he just, he body okay. surfs in the waves. He's, you would never know. And, and at multiple times during the uh, evaluation process, and even in the aftermath, one of his doctors said, you look like, you know, a donor, not a recipient. <laughs> so we were, wow. we were, we were really blessed. He takes good care of himself. I mean, he's on a lifelong regimen of immunosuppressant immunosuppressives, which do have some side effects. Thankfully, they're very minimal, and he's incredibly compliant with them, which I think is another really big key in terms of his outcomes and how he's done. God bless him. So, Melissa, you guys are like a power couple. He's a doctor, <laughs> <laughs> and you're a, you're a physical therapist. Now, I have a question about you being a physical therapist. Now, you were... You graduated from the University of Medicine and Dentistry in Newark back in 2003, right? Yes. And now your first clinical experience was in New York Presbyterian Columbia Hospital when you guys were living in New York. Now, you worked for many years in outpatient sports clinic, and you also worked for the visiting, visiting nurse service. Yes. Home care service, home care agency and stuff like that. Yep. Now, didn't yeah. Now, did yeah? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. And you said that you uh, you found shortcomings working in traditional healthcare. Yes. So you know, we, I, I'm grateful that I was able to work in traditional healthcare for so many years because I mean, I'm sure as you know, and many of your listeners can attest. I mean, you really need to understand how to navigate our system. I mean, it's there's you know some wonderful benefits in terms of the amazing doctors, nurses, treatments, and things that are available these days. But at the same time, I think everyone's kind of aware of the shortcomings, the limited time with providers, the documentation that they are also very victim to. So, you know, I think it's, it, it's a great place to start. I tell people if you're sick and you're not feeling well, the doctor is, is a great place to start because there's red flags and things that they know how to, to navigate and uh, medication interactions and things like that. But, you know, for somebody who, you know, is a highly sensitive person, somebody who's really, you know, sensitive to people's energies, gets easily overstimulated with 
bright lights, lots of people, you know, administrators that have very short (laughs) tempers because they're overworked, just all those things that kind of take away from healing that that needs to happen after, you know, we're we're in these medical crises. So I'm kind of grateful that I can, I work privately now with people one-on-one and I can just give them the care that I really feel they deserve and that they need. It's a way, too, where I can kind of tune in to, to my intuition, to higher powers that be that are also, I think, very involved in our healing and just kind of put it all together. So, like I said, I mean, working at one of the best hospitals in New York City, working for home care, working in outpatient clinics, there's, you know, there's, there's so much for, for so many people. And I'm glad I can help direct people and I could help people navigate the system and say, you really should start here. But, you know, when, when you kind of get to the end of that, then give me a call. Or when that finishes, then, you know, maybe you need to try this new direction. You know, there, there's, I think, so many chapters in our recovery. So I'm glad I'm able to help people with that and interestingly enough New York Presbyterian which was my first job at a PT school that's where my husband and I were patients after the, <laughs> the kidney transplant so it was especially great to know uh, you know just what to expect being in the hospital and to just know you know h- how these systems how these systems work sure sure now can I ask you a question and this this may sound a little bit on the on the foolish side to you but for, for the people that don't know, what is the difference between traditional medicine and holistic medicine? So traditional medicine, kind of the more like allopathic model of, you know, there, there's a symptom and let's, let's treat the symptom. We're holistic, looking at the whole body, the whole person, looking the, at the body as, you know, as a whole being. And it's, it's very common sense. I'm not saying that you know, medical doctors and providers, you know, don't have those questions in their mind. But I think the traditional healthcare system often just doesn't have, you know, the time efficiency to, to look at those things. You know, it's like ERs have triage systems. I mean, you know, you go to the doctor, it's like, what's bothering you? Okay, here's how we can fix that. And then, you know, we got to get to the next person because we got 80 people waiting out there. So, you know, just a, a model where it's just, you know, often putting a Band-Aid, unfortunately, where, you know, and, and my husband comes home from work all the time, very frustrated with that, you know, patients that get discharged and come right back to the hospital because, you know, they know that, you know, it, it wasn't treated adequately because of various complications with insurance, with, you know, lots of other things. So, so I, that, that, those are the main differences, kind of looking at the, the, the whole person versus looking at kind of just a symptom that's, or, you know, or an acute episode of care of something that's just kind of flared up and trying to kind of calm it down. Right. And I think, I, I think holistic medicine is actually getting a better understanding nowadays than it did originally, because still, you, you still do get some people going holistic medicine, that's voodoo or you know that's that you go into a witch doctor if you go to holistic med- go for holistic medicine it, it, definitely i think i think society i mean we're just we're, we're more educated you know we have access to the internet i mean people are asking the questions of why does this keep happening what's the underlying problem i mean people i think there is there is a yearning for it and then you know it goes the other way too where 
there's so much access and, and so many holistic providers now where sometimes I think they they do holistic medicine, uh, and I don't know if medicine is the right word, just holistic therapies a disservice by kind of putting down the traditional medical model too much and saying, Correct. you know, you need to get off all your medications and we're going to, you know, heal you with a rock. And it's like, no, no, that's, <laughs> that's certainly not what I believe. And that's certainly not what I do. It's about, you know, and then there was the term, you know, integrative medicine of trying to integrate, you know, the, the best practices from, from both sides, because that's, you know, where most of us are living these days, you know, people are on medications, they have chronic conditions, but they also, you know, have dealt with them for a long time and are ready to start trying, trying meditation and trying some things to, uh, to kind of deal with the stress that their condition has caused them. So that's how I like to come from it, you know, fr from that vantage point to say, you know, chronic disabilities, chronic illnesses, pain, you know, these are, these are stressful things to, to be dealing with. So we need tools to navigate it day to day when the doctors are busy and we can't get to the office and, you know, wh what can we do today, you know, by ourselves at home? And I'll go back to meditation again, because I think it's a wonderful example of something people can start right away. And it can do really substantial things in terms of their health and healing. Well, I think people are finding that when they're when they're in extreme pain and the medicine isn't working that you're getting from a traditional doctor, they're willing to try anything yes. to to relieve pain. And they're finding that some of these things do actually work. I know for myself, I had a friend of mine years ago that I worked with him and his wife were studying Reiki and I used to poo poo it, you know, when he, when he, when he started with it. And I went to work one day and I had such a severe sore throat and he said, let me try this with you. And it was, I don't know, maneuvering something and laying the hands on it. And I would never admit that it worked. <laughs> never. <laughs> It did. It did. Now, it, fast forward, you know, 10 years, 15 years, and I was home, uh, uh, disabled, and I was having home therapy, and one of my home therapists came in, and we were, we were friendly, and it was after I had an amputation, and she said, would you be, a, would you be against me trying this? And she said, did you ever hear of Reiki? <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I did. I heard this. And she said, would you mind if I try it? And I had a good experience with my my co-worker at that time, Roger, and his wife. And I said, yeah, go ahead, try it. And it, it actually worked. And when you're in extreme pain, you're willing to try anything. And the funny thing is, is you find out that this stuff works. This stuff works. This it stuff does. And, and, and I think that willingness you know, is such, is such an important piece right. because, you know, people, you know, they, 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 they don't realize that, you know, healing begins with them and resistance is such a huge barrier to healing. And, you know, we become resistant for good, you know, for many reasons. I mean, we live in a, a fear-based society where it's like, you know, that's, they're trying to screw you. That could be dangerous. <laughs> you know, I mean, we, we, we have these like protective armors around ourselves that we're very resistant. So the minute that 
were willing to look at something differently. The willing, the men that were just willing, even if we don't know, but just to say, okay, how about we try this? I'm willing to see this differently. I'm, I'm willing to acknowledge this possibility that I could get better because, you know, my, you know, fear-based self is like, that's impossible. How can that possibly fix me? You know, this is complicated. I have this diagnosis. I have all this evidence to support that, you know, I can't get better. Exactly. But the minute we could say, well, maybe I can try this today in this moment. And yep. that can just start this process of healing. Like that's the transformation. That's the breakthrough. And that can just gain so much momentum, exactly. you know, of like, oh, I feel a little bit better. So maybe I'll try it again tomorrow. Or maybe that will lead to me getting back into this thing that I've been putting off. And, you know, it, it could just start this, this cycle, you know, and, and this road to recovery when, when we're willing to see things differently. Exactly. That's exactly what I was getting at. The minute you open your mind just a little bit, crack that door open in your mind just a little bit. Because mm -hmm. I was the most obstinate person. I was like, <laughs> you're not touching me. <laughs> <laughs> and it just, you know, and I, I, was in, I was in that much pain the first time Roger did it. And I was like, try it i don't care what you do because the halls isn't working and the the aspirin's not working the tylenol is not working go ahead give it a shot and yes i, I was like i was a i would never admit it to him at the time <laughs> yeah well you don't have to because that's that's the shift you know I, i'm a student of a course of miracles and you know a course of miracles says a miracle is a shift from fear to love so in that moment, you shifted from the fear to the love, and in yeah. that willingness to say, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna give this, a, you know, a try." So even if he admitted it or not, internally you had that shift, and that's the miracle. Well, I don't know. And that's what I, that's what I love, and that's why. I don't know if I tell Roger I loved him. I like him a lot, but I don't. Know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear that. <laughs> but now, now. You just brought it up, miracles. You do believe in miracles, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I experienced a miracle. I mean, I, the, you know, before the, the night, you know, a day or two before the transplant, I felt like, you know, I, I considered myself spiritual. I, I had done yoga and, and, you know, like to use the term universe because, I, you know, I didn't have a very strong, uh, well, my mom tried for me to have a strong religious upbringing but I never considered myself you know a Christian and, and kind of the traditional you know religious model but like to acknowledge that there was something out there besides me and then you know before the transplant I kind of had this moment of, of spiritual surrender I said God if that's who you are I don't know I, I need a miracle here my husband's gonna be under I'm gonna be under we have children I, I don't know how this is gonna end like please like I need a miracle here. And I felt like we went in and when I woke up, I, I, I write in my book about having a divine wake up. I felt like when I woke up from the anesthesia, it was just like, and, and you know, I, I did have that kind of violent wake up where you have those crazy dreams from the anesthesia and sure. stuff, but at the, but underneath it all, I could just feel like God had said, here's your miracle. You got it. You're okay. He's okay. You guys are all going to be okay. Your life's going to be better. And everything is, is, is fine. And I, I felt like, 
you know, I mean, I, I didn't realize it in that moment. I just, I, I felt something. And then I just saw in the aftermath in the coming days, the coming weeks, the coming months, and now the coming years that, you know, it was, it was a completely miraculous experience. And uh, it was an obstacle that became an opportunity for, for growth in, in myself and in, in my marriage and my husband and our lives in writing a book and the, the, the story that we, you know, that we have now. And, you know, I, I don't want to say I'm, I'm grateful for, you know, my husband being sick and having to go through all that, but I'm grateful for the opportunity to have grown and to have experienced that miracle. I'm certainly very grateful for that. And I'm sure that that whole thing with the, the operation and donating the kidney, that had to have solidified your marriage and your family. <laughs> I mean, how could it not? Yeah, I mean, you know, we had always had a very strong relationship and marriage. I mean, my husband has, you know, always supported my dreams and and supported me mentally and physically. I mean, every in every which way that I always said that because, uh, you know, people come up to us all the time and say, wow, he owes you big. And I always say, you know what? I felt like after I gave him the kidney, we were even <laughs> because <laughs> he had always been you know, been there for me when in, in my 20s, coming of age, just all the times where I was pushing away love. I mean, he just, he taught me unconditional love and he, he loved me before I think I fully loved me. So and I had felt like, my gosh, like if I could give him a kidney, <laughs> like done, right. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> no, but I'm saying it, it, this just had, like at this point here, you have to know that nothing else if nothing else, you guys are together for life. Oh, that definitely. And that we were meant to be together. Exactly. Because, you know, like definitely at times in my life because we had met young and, and we had always had, you know, gotten along and had a great relationship. But, you know, I think just I love Eckhart Tolle and, and, you know, about how, you know, the overactive thinker in your mind. And I always thought, is this is this the right person for me? Are we going to no. have the right life together? Is this how it's going to be? And then I think that if you're the transplant pretty much solidified. Was, like, yes, you guys were divinely meant to be together in this life. And I was going to say, pretty if, you, obvious. if you're still <laughs> questioning that, there's a problem. Yes, yeah, there's there's <laughs> been no more questioning. And our, our relationship has definitely gotten deeper. I mean, even... Uh, you know, there, there's this whole interesting thing that I didn't know, we didn't know about prior, but we've learned since that um, there's this thing called cellular memory where, you know, we think who we are is just maybe like in our physical brains, but actually it's in our cells and organs are big groups of cells. So when an organ is transplanted into somebody else, there's, you know, an essence of that person that's put into the other person and it can start to come out and manifest. And I've, I've read books about it and talked to other um, organ uh, donor recipient pairs about the same thing of like, you know, personality traits or so, things that have come out in the donor. And uh, my husband has had, you know, he's always, he's always been, um, you know, a very kind of like masculine, pragmatic kind of guy, like loves his football and stuff. And then ever since uh, the transplant and and several months afterward, he just has this more creative side. He can, you know, make, he does this thing called, it's called needle felting. It's a, it's a Waldorf education craft where you take wool roving and you needle it into animals or any sort of shape that you want to make. But mm -hmm. just this, it's a, it's a creative process that 
I was never able to do, but he, I had the basket because I was teaching my, trying to do it with my kids. And he just picked it up one day and all of a sudden he could do it. And people in his life were like, Ken, you made this? Like <laughs> they had never even seen, you know, seen him really do anything creative. And then all of a sudden he just had this like, you know, creative side to him. And we always joke that that that's my kidney. And just there's little things in him now, but just more sensitive things about him or just things that we just laugh about that that that's my kidney well, <laughs> and it's it's that's another just kind of miracle and little sidebar of just how amazing the body is let's hope he doesn't go through menopause yeah <laughs> <laughs> only, i don't think that i'm, I'm only yeah. i'm only kidding <laughs> let's, let's hope not <laughs> <laughs> no that's great that's it well you know what that's like that's like um twins how twins share Yes. You know, and twins can feel each other. I, I, I always find that all amazing. I think that's great. Now, yeah, me too. Now, back to miracles. The people that you work with, do you ever see miracles in them, like in their recovery? Like Yes, that's, all the time. That's got to that's gotta be so satisfying. Very at, much so, at, very much so. I mean, even... Even when people come to me, you know, I mean, they, they kind of, they kind of just, they find me. I mean, you know, they, they were, you know, if I've seen someone, they refer, they tell their friends and, you know, they, it comes to me like that. But just a lot of times, you know, you know, you have pain. It takes this willingness to, to go to the physical therapist, you know, to go to the doctor. So mm -hmm. to me, like, that's kind of, you know, sometimes we think of miracles in this grand sense, you know, like, oh, they lifted the car off my leg. Like, but I mean, I look a lot of times just like the smaller miracles that, that you went to the doctor, you went to the physical therapist. And then not only did you go to the regular physical therapist where your insurance covered it, you took the extra step to call me and, you know, come to my little healing space and be willing and open to try, you know, I incorporate yoga, meditation, I diffuse essential oils. It's just like if you're willing to try something different even further. And I've seen people that you wouldn't necessarily think would be into, for lack of a better word, were into those things. And they come and they're like, wow, this is kind of cool. And, and I think, uh, or, or this works really, not even that it's cool. It's that, you know, they're like, I, I can't, I can't believe how much better I'm doing, or I, I can't believe the results I'm seeing. And to me, that's, that's a miracle that they, that they had that shift. And I always tell them, I mean, yeah, I was here facilitating, but you were the one allowing that to come in. You were the one willing to, you know, try these new things, do it at home. Like I asked you to, because, I often see people, you know, just like once a week for a few weeks versus, you know, going to um, a therapy clinic like three times a week. Right. So I'm like, you know, I'm going to see you once a week, but I need you. I even have them sign their exercises at the bottom that like you're going to be a willing participant in this process. It's a process of co-creating. Like I, I can't I can't heal you, you know, unless you're willing to experience healing. You know, it, it goes both ways. So I think that. The fact that people even kind of come in and just enter that agreement and then get results, I think that's that's a miracle. And when I see that and I'm part of it, it's it's amazingly satisfying, like you had said. Now, when they come to you, do you give them like traditional exercises? Like if if like I, I know I, I've gone to physical therapists and they 
they do exercises like heel slides and um, leg lifts and, you know. Yeah, sure. I mean, we do a lot of that stuff because there, you know, there's, there's room for that. I mean, you got to make your legs stronger. You got to get your range of motion. So, yeah, we do that. But I also have an hour to spend with them where I can really put my hands on them. I can really feel what's going on in their body. I feel like I can, you know, just work with the energy centers within their body and just kind of clear out, you know, things that are holding them back. So I feel like, you know, there's kind of like a more like subtle energetic process that we can go through. But then, yeah, after that, you know, I'm like, I, I just can't work on you for an hour. Like, you need to do your heel slides. You need to do your, your shoulder exercises. And especially these are the things that you need to do at home every day until you see me again. Right. So I'll give them those exercises. And then I'll do traditional exercises. But I also love doing yoga exercises because, I mean, you know, those yogis knew what they were doing. It's a, there's a reason it's been around for thousands of years. I mean, there's just this way where you get so much benefit in you know, I, I have a shoulder patient who, you know, in child's pose where we stretch out his shoulder, he's like, wow, I can't believe now my hips are getting down to my feet. You know, like I can't believe the way like my hips and my back have, have opened. I was like, yeah, while we were doing a shoulder exercise, you know, like you get so much benefit throughout your entire body. And that's what, that's what I love. So I do a lot of focus like that, but I do plenty of the traditional stuff too, because, you know, I mean, I don't want to say I've never met a bad physical therapist, but <laughs> I think it's it's a profession where there's a lot of um, just a lot of skill, a lot of, uh, you know, a, a lot of just good caring therapists out there who do really good work. So, you know, I'm not saying, oh, those exercises you do in, your, in, in the office, you go to stink like that. That's not true at all. There's there's plenty of good stuff in there. I think I can just um, I just extract a lot of that good stuff with a quiet healing environment where we can just really just like have a lot of like breakthroughs. Right. And, and it's different too. I mean, if you've just had surgery, you know, you definitely need to go to your, your physical therapist and use your insurance and go three times a week, you know, like, like you need that. But a lot of times people are like, you know, I've been going for a while for my neck or my back and I'm just, I'm still struggling. And, you know, I, I just need a different focus, a different direction. And that's when I'm like, great. You know, that's, that's what we're going to work on. So that's why I said it's, it's a good place to start, you know, your doctor or the office down the street that takes, you know, your insurance, like start there. And then I like, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm 42. It's like, this is, this is like a niche I've developed after many years of, of kind of doing it the, the traditional way. Right. So. I've been in that position where I was going to physical therapy and it seems like you're going and you're going and you, and almost like you've plateaued out and yeah. you're still going. And what am I going for? Because I'm not really getting any benefit from it anymore. And that's when you get to that point where uh, I think I'm, I'm, I'm going to call off today. And now you're missing appointments. Yes, you, you exactly. Know. And that's when I think that's, you know, that's a real crossroads. And it, and it really can be an opportunity. But again, not an opportunity that you can have in a traditional healthcare setting where the insurance is not going to pay if they don't see that you're making improvements and making gains and the therapist maybe doesn't have time to sit down with you and say okay let's let's refocus your goals and let's think about you know maybe it is time for you to you know take some time off and do some stuff on your own and see how you do and you know we'll we'll touch back in a month you know it's i mean 
that's how I think it should be, and that's how I like to work with people. But in a traditional model, it's not really very practical to work like that. So that's that's why I like doing what I do at, at this point. Because, yeah, a lot of people go in and they learn the exercises and they go three times a week, and, and it's helpful. And then I like that they've been through that process because they know. It's like, yeah, I've experienced that. I'm like, okay, good. So we're going to go from there, and then we're going to say, I mean, you were talking about, you know, your $70 million bucket list. Like, what are those things that you're excited to get back to? What are those things you really want to be doing? Exactly. And, and, and what's holding you back? Like, let's let's get there. Let's go there, you know? Now, back on the uh, the spiritual end of it, do you believe that people actually have, or do you believe in guardian angels? The reason I, um, the reason I, I ask this is because people get hurt. And do you believe that people, that there's somebody there with them, helping them through this physical therapy? Definitely. That, that I definitely, I believe in divine intelligence watching over us every moment of every day, each and every one of us. I, and, you know, going back to that resistance, I think it's sometimes we don't hear it, we don't see it, we don't feel it, we feel disconnected from that, but that it's a, you know, it's it's a radio station that's always available and always on, but we just can't tune into it. So, yes, I mean, I, you know, I don't know if I call that angels per se, but a, a broader divine intelligence that is there at every minute, willing to hold our hand, willing to take us across that threshold to, you know, where we want to go. Yes, I believe that that's always there. And, you know, and it, and it's and I know, it, you know, how hard it is for people to have that that faith and that belief, especially when life does, you know, deal you some a pretty rough hand. And it's very understandable for people to be like, screw that, you know, look at what I'm dealing with right here, especially in this day and age and income inequality and just, you know, the, the pandemic, like so much is happening for people to say, yeah, but look at all this. And I say, I know, but <laughs> there is something, you know, there is something much bigger than us that, that that's guiding us and to just and to just take a step back, which, you know, again, why I love meditation so much, because I think that's an opportunity to just stop and connect with our breath and like tune back into that divine force and intelligence to say, all right, what, what would you have me do today? Where would you have me go? Because I don't know what to do. You know, like we're just we're just people trying to navigate this. And I don't think we're strong enough to handle a lot of these really, really, really trying and difficult situations. So we need to tune into that divine intelligence to help us steer the ship and help us navigate. Because I think when we do, then all of a sudden we're like, wow, there was some ease today in this process that I thought was going to be so hard. There was this kind person that smiled at me in a way that I just felt like someone had my back today, you know, like you just have those moments and you tune into it. And again, it can gain such wonderful momentum when you just start to recognize it, you know, when you start to listen to podcasts like this and see people like you who are modeling, you know, lives and, and, and taking steps to say, look at what you can do, you know, I mean, just like it's, it's so encouraging well, what you say to people and what you do. And I think it's so uplifting. And then that to me is feeling like it has such a divine undertone I appreciate to all that. of it i appreciate that oh I'm, I'm so glad you said meditating though with this because that's what i was getting at when you meditate do you think that you connect with your guardian angel do you think yes that's what i was that's what i was i, I was hoping you were gonna say because when you meditate 
I don't want, I, I hate to think that you, when you meditate, you're just like clearing your mind. I want to, I want to believe that when you meditate, you're actually connecting with someone somewhere, somehow, if that makes sense. That it makes total sense. And I think, and I think the only thing I would add to what you just said is that that can initially be very, I think, a little intimidating to people to be like, you know, I don't know how to tune in and I don't know how to, you know, tune into my angels. Like, you know, and it's just that's why it's like just start with focusing on your breath. Just feel the breath coming in and coming out. Don't worry about clearing the thoughts in your head. Don't worry about finding God, you know, like just because, you know, I mean, it's been very secularized, which isn't necessarily a bad thing initially you know, to just, I mean, they do mindfulness and, you know, in the schools, uh, you know, at, at, at businesses now. And it's wonderful, you know, because they find it people are more productive and, and it works. So I think initially it can be very helpful to just say it's just a very, very simple exercise of with the breath. And then you start to realize how powerful that is and how deep that can go and how inspiration i've heard wayne dyer say means you know in spirit you know in like you're inspiring it's like you know you're you're breathing in and then you are connecting with your guardian angels or whatever the the word you want to use for that a divine force spirit the universe so that's what i think is so and you realize that the simplicity in in so much you know we're complicated people but there's such simple solutions so i think meditation can start off being this real simple process of just breathing and then it can have such a profound, spiritual, deeper healing effect. Right. And you can start wherever you want to, wherever you are on that continuum is fine. And it's such a personal experience. Yes. That's, yes. that's how I find it. it. It's a very personal experience. And mm. you know, it's not something that you have to answer to anybody else about. Yes. So. I love that you said that. It's a very personal experience being... And and it's a personal experience that you can do out in public. I mean, my exactly. kids have swim lessons today, and you know, when I just after I'm rushing around and getting them here and there to just find a place where I just sit and I breathe with all the people around me, it's like I'm having that personal deep connection with people all around me. You know, exactly. And you know, you, you can you can pray. You can meditate you can it's a personal experience that nobody else can interfere with and it absolutely can, and it can just bring that calmness to you and you'll be surprised how how well calmness can affect the pain that you have even if it's for a few short seconds or or an hour calm definitely i've i go to the long island buddhist meditation center and i've heard you know, the monk there who, who leads the meditations, you know, sometimes it's like pain. You think like, well, don't focus on it. Don't think about it, uh, you know, and that can help initially maybe, but eventually it's, you know, what, what resists persists. And I've heard him say, you know, think about the pain, breathe into the pain because sometimes the pain will pass, you know, the thought of the pain will just, you can settle in, and I'm not saying you could just make the pain, you know, people that have severe stabbing, 10 out of 10 pain, you could just make go away with the mm. breath. It's, But, you know, to, to some degree, you can help modulate pain just by being still 
and and just kind of almost like sitting with it for a moment and just saying, okay, this is pain. My body is registering this as pain. And, you know, th- there it is. And, and I'm still here. You know, I, I'm the person underneath the pain. I'm the person underneath all of this. So, sure. yeah, I'm registering pain, but I'm going to go underneath it. I'm going to kind of go beyond it. Now, I have another question along these same lines. Do you believe there's an afterlife? Yes. I don't know what it looks like and how it <laughs> how it all works per se, but I mean, I think we are just spirits in a physical body, and when this physical body ends, you know, when it's the end of this physical body, I, I think our spirits move on to other dimensions, other places, other bodies, everywhere and every which way. I mean, and I and I feel like I can attest to that just in, you know, the connections you feel with people or, you know, when you're just like, gosh, I know this person or, you know, or if you've ever done like any, I love, um, you know, like the, the Akashic Records readings when you read about, you know, your soul's journey. Mm-hmm. And this is just one lifetime in, you know, your soul's kind of work that it's doing. So it makes kind of, it puts things in perspective when you're having a dispute with somebody or you're in a situation to be like, oh, I came here to work on this relationship i came here to be triggered by this person you know like i my body kind you know my soul chose this this life to say like here you're going to work out some stuff and it kind of almost can you know be not you know funny but you can just be like okay i i came here to do this i got a lifetime to kind of work on on this situation and if i don't get it right then hey there's the next one exactly (laughs) exactly i'm a firm believer in that I, I always say, in my next lifetime, <laughs> I'm, going, I'm going to I'm do this. I'm trying to get it right this one, but right. if I don't, you know, then I guess my soul will uh, pick another situation, but maybe it'll be a little easier for me next time. Exactly. Now, <laughs> now, Melissa, you also wrote a book, Recovering My True Self. Yes. And can you, can you tell us about that real quick? Can you give us a quick synopsis of that? Yeah, so this was, it was a couple months before the transplant, and I was sitting on the couch with my husband under the full moon that night, and I said, I think I'm going to write a book. And like I said, my husband was always very supportive, and but he was a little reluctant and said, okay, you're a physical therapist, but you want to write a book? And <laughs> I said, yeah. You know, I, he said, what's it going to be about? And I said, I don't know, but I just had this premonition that I'm going to write a book, and I was doing, I was reading this book called The Artist's Way, and it was a 12-week self-study course on creative recovery. And every morning, you write in your morning pages, you go on these artist dates. It's this incredible, incredible process that I highly recommend. And I said, maybe I'll write about that. Maybe I'll write about my creative recovery and just this reconnecting to my creative self. And then it was, you know, a couple months later, it was time to get the transplant, and I said, well, I definitely have some uh, some content for the book now. And, you know, the book kind of started just morph- morphing and shifting. And it really became about recovery, about recovery from, you know, adolescence, no matter how much love we come from. You know, we pick up childhood baggage along the way. So recovering from that, recovering from, you know, overactive mind chatter and being a highly sensitive person, recovering from food issues, insecurity, the parenting process and becoming a parent, and then recovering from the surgery, 
recovering from some old habits I had with drinking alcohol and just basically, you know, like a spiritual recovery. So just all about all these different chapters of recovery. And I had spoken with somebody and and, and heard someone in publishing advise, well, people want to hear, you know, how this book's going to help them. So they want to know 10 ways you can recover yourself versus your story. And, you know, I kind of like respectfully disagreed and said, no, I think people want to hear the story because when they hear the story, whatever resonates will impact them versus like reading this list of, you know, here's how to fix your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So it was just, you know, kind of just just like and and I tell you, you know, you talked before about like very satisfying. It was so satisfying to just tell my story start to finish from growing up to after the transplant and the surgery. And um, even a couple months after the transplant, the meditation center I go to, someone from there said, hey, you know, we're going to go to Sri Lanka because the monk who leads it is from Sri Lanka. And I said, I can't go to Sri Lanka right now. I, you know, I just had, we had the surgery. It's Christmas. I have kids. And he said, no, no, you you should come. And I said, okay, I'm going to come. And that was, ended up being the cover of the book, (laughs) me on the spiritual mountaintop in Sri Lanka. Was that you on, uh, that was you on the cover? That's me on the cover on um, Siguri Rock. And I was sitting there having this magical experience in Sri Lanka, traveling with this wonderful group of people and a Buddhist monk and other monks that, you know, he knew. We went to his monastery where he trained as a young monk in the forest. He was honored by the Sri Lankan president. And it was just this, I mean, talk about miracles. It was this completely miraculous experience. And during one of our that was one of our our outings i was at the top of this rock and i was sitting there and i was meditating and uh someone took a picture of me and she said you look so peaceful there i want to take this picture of you and i said oh thank you very much and then you know several months or maybe it was even a year or two later when i had to pick a cover i said oh that picture would be perfect like that was so divine how that happened how that picture came about and that trip I mean that's the last chapter of my book it's called Sri Lanka and how that was kind of the like spiritual mountaintop happy ending of of the whole journey excellent excellent you know just touching back on the what your friend told you about you should have 10 tips on how to fix it you know I think people learn more when they hear other people's stories you know I agree when you start telling people this is how you should fix your life, I kind of get the the thought goes through my head like, what makes you an authority on my life? Exactly. The off switch, I feel like, just clicks. Yeah, it just where... clicks. Uh, I don't need you to tell me how to fix my life. Let me know how you fix your life. And, <laughs> and maybe I can follow your your story. And I always find that better. I I would rather I'd rather read about how somebody fixed their problems and I always get more out of those books than somebody telling me how I should fix my life. Well, thank you for saying that. I I completely agree and I even um you know, I have a blog on my website and I I recently um, kind of just wonderful um, teacher of, of my ch- of my children wrote about this amazing story of uh, she was she found this letter and this book and it led to um, just a it, you know her son they had been a little bit estranged and this just journey that kind of led to just clearing the space and healing their relationship in a very very fortuitous way and it, it's a it's a beautiful story 
and I just published it on the website and, you know, been talking to people and reaching out about people sharing their healing stories because it's so wonderful. And whether they're, you know, stories about people battling cancer or just a, a shift in mindset or, you know, anything. And we're all works in progress. I was you know, telling people it's not like this. Here's what I was before and here's what I am now. It's just, you know, it's the between the before and after. It's, it's where we are today and how we're better than we used to be. Oh, no. And I have it's to really, uh, I've been, it's been really fun. I've been really enjoying having the conversations and talking to people about, you know, telling their stories and putting them up there. Well, I have to say about your website, your website isn't a website that says, do as I tell you, and this is how, this is, this is how you'll succeed. Your website is very conversational. It, Thank you. It is. And I was on your website last night and I was on it again this morning and even the video, uh, the the one that's where it says in the media, and you can listen, yes. you can listen to the other podcasts and the uh, read read some of the other interviews that you've done and stuff like that. I find that educational. Actually, I find I it's it's interesting to me, and I love I love to listen to other podcasts. I, I'm I'm a podcast junkie, actually. <laughs> me too. <laughs> and uh, I just find it interesting and. None of them are, like I said, telling you this is what you have to do and, you know, smacking the table and, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I get very annoyed when I hear a podcast and someone comes on and they're very monotone and they're going to talk like they're a doctor. And meanwhile, during the day, they drive a cab, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't like people telling me what to do. I, I, I don't think anybody does. And I, even if it's something that they need to hear, and yeah, you know, the people's like, "Oh, well, they needed to hear that," and it's like, "No, well, they didn't." I don't think they heard it in the way that you delivered it, because you know that's that's you know, people will hear it when you say, you know, here's here's what I'm struggling with when they when you expose your right. vulnerability. Because we're all vulnerable and none of us are perfect and all of us are struggling in one way or another. And we're kind of honest and say, you know, and I I think that vulnerable space, that's what creates the healing. And that's what I love about people sharing their healing stories because it's that moment of vulnerability. And that's, you know, I mean, if like Brene Brown and her famous TED talk about the power of vulnerability, like that's where the real connection is. Exactly. Exactly. If, If you have a God complex... Uh, go to church. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. You know, I always say that about about. No offense. I always say that about doctors. If I can go to a doctor and a doctor talks to me in English, and I mean like layman's terms, if you have to sit there and impress me with your thirty dollar words, I lose interest after hello. But <laughs> if you can sit there and tell me, I I I, I had a cardiologist that. He was he was great. He was in South Carolina. The guy the guy would talk baseball. He would talk football. He talked fishing. <laughs> and when it came down to it, and he had to tell me about my problems, he would say it in everyday language. Then I had a cardiologist that would talk to me about the the brand of stent they were putting into my heart. I could I don't care what brand it is to be honest with you. And I don't care how you have to do it. Just do it. <laughs> you know, it, it was one of those things. And he was explaining the whole procedure. Look, look, before, 
before you were putting the stent in my heart, I used to work in a in in a theater group. <laughs> you know, I mm-hmm. I don't know what you're talking about, and I appreciate the fact that you're doing it. But please, just do it. Don't explain it. Just do it. I don't. I and I and I think it's the 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 way people say things. You know, it's it's the tone because you know I remember learning in physical therapy school. They're like, you know, the average education of you know people is. I think they said fifth grade or I, you know, but, and, and so you have to make sure you don't use medical jargon that will, you know, be it. And I, and I said, you know what, first of all, people have the internet. They can look things up. You can use real words, but it's just how you talk to them. Okay. You know, like you can use a, a, you know, a big word if that's the word that comes out or if that's the word that best describes the situation, but they can feel whether or not they know that word or not, they can feel if you're authentic if you come from compassion, if you come from a general place where you are honoring them and you want to kind of work together in this process of, of delivering them care, that, you know, it goes beyond the word that you choose, if it's a fifth grade word or a, a medical word. Right. And I always had, had thought about that. I'm like, it's not the word so much. It's just how you talk to people. And, that, and even, you know, I think sometimes I was thinking the other day, someone said, wow, you know, thank you for you know, your support. And I remember sitting there thinking, I don't think I had said a word. You know, it was just how, it's just how you can sometimes sit there and hold the space for people to to just feel like you honor them, well, that they will really, really respond to. Well, it's the bedside manner, as they say. Yes. You know, yeah, you, absolutely. Can, you can come in and just, like you said, not say a word, but just be there. Mm-hmm. And then you can get the other person that comes in with their starch white jacket and just look down upon you and not say a word, and he can be a real jerk. I, I, yes. Yeah, and I've had both. And like, like I said, yeah, there's people that can can use the thirty dollar word and look deep to find the thirty dollar word to tell you. And then there's other people that are using the $30 word because there is no other word to describe it. So, Exactly, exactly. They're using the $30 word to kind of take some kind of edge on you versus just that that was just the word that they they chose, but they have compassion for who you are. Exactly. And and they can explain it, and, you know, we can all look it up. (laughs) Right, exactly. And I laugh sometimes because my wife is a nurse. And we'll go to the doctor and I'm, (laughs) it's me that's the patient, but my wife is talking to the doctor and it's like a foreign language going on and I'm just sitting there (laughs) (laughs) shaking my head going, yep, yep, yep. But that's the, that's the ideal part about having a translator with you. Now, (laughs) I do want to say that you do accept patience and you're willing to to do a 15 minute phone consultation with anyone to see if you're able to help them with your holistic physical therapy, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I like to make sure that we're a good fit. I never schedule a session without talking to the person first and making sure that our expectations are in alignment, that I think that I have something to offer and they feel you know, they want to 
you know, they, they want to receive or they, they want to kind of co-create with me. So yes, it's always, um, I always like to have that, that, and that's, and that's free because, you know, that's just the time that we need to take to see if that's a, if that's a good fit. And you also have distant healing sessions available, right? I do. I do. I can work with people distantly. And again, that's even more important why a phone consult initially is important to make sure that, you know, we do feel that there is something to do in a distant healing manner versus to say, you know what, this is something you really need to do in person or, you know, take care of first. And then maybe we can work distantly after you take care of that first. So I always like to make sure that, you know, we do that screening first to make sure we're safe and to make sure that, you know, everybody it's in everybody's best interest. Yeah. The more I learn about the holistic healing, the more I'm in favor of it myself, to be honest with you. I, I've been doing interviews for, for, for quite a while now, and I've, I've done more with holistic, holistic uh, healers. And it just seemed, I, in the beginning, and I, and I have to be honest, when I first started, I was a little bit skeptical about it. And actually, one of my doctors, that one of my medical doctors, is very much into holistic healing, and they believe in it. And at first, I used to think when when she first told me about seeing a, a holistic healer for well, I had a, some stress in my life. I thought they I thought it was going to be uh, we're going to go out in the woods, strip down <laughs> naked, strip down naked, <laughs> beat drums and yell at the top of our lungs. That's what. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. That's what I thought it was, and I thought I thought she was nuts. But I did go and see them, and a lot of it. A lot of it was actually breathing and repositioning. I think it was repositioning your rib cage or something like that. But it it, it did help. And this this was back in Pennsylvania. This was a few years ago, and it was it did help. And I just it again. It took a while for me to really get into it, and then I started doing the interviews. And it, I'd rather do that than take a ton of medication. To be honest with you. Yeah. And I think, like you said, there's, there's, you know, doctors who, you know, are, I want to say believing in it, but just seeing how, I mean, uh, the most doctors I know do not want to give people medication that they don't need. You know, often people are coming to them and saying, I have pain, I have this problem, what can you do for it? And they say, well, here's the medication that you can do for it. And if it's a situation where the medication isn't, you know, necessary or, you know, you're going to have a stroke or a heart attack if you don't take the blood thinners or things like that, you know, putting that aside, but to say, yeah, hey, if you want to start trying this first, like, give it a try. I mean, there's there's studies that say uh, exercise is, is just as effective as some of the, for, for mild depression as an antidepressant. So I think many doctors would be thrilled to have people say, you know what, I'm going to try the exercise program first, or, you know, I'm going to try th- this other holistic therapy first and then if it's not working or if I'm really struggling or you know if it's an extreme situation then I'm going to try it I think most doctors would be like that sounds great because they don't want to give something to, to people that uh that they don't need I think they are willing to work with people more than they think it, it's oftentimes when they come in demanding that they need to be better and they need the doctor to, to do something and they have you know standards of care and practice patterns that they have to work within and they tell you this is how they treat these things. But, you know, like you, we, we have the empowerment and the ability to say, 
well, what are some other options? And maybe I'm actually going to try these options and wholeheartedly try them, not just be like, yeah, I tried a, a vegetable, you know, and it's like, well, <laughs> it takes more than that, you know? <laughs> well, now if only we could get the insurance companies. Yes, yes, that's on definitely... Board. Yeah, that's been a challenge. It, they would find out it would be a lot less expensive than some of the other things that they're paying for. Exactly, exactly. And I think there is a growing awareness, and there are you know private insurances now that are you know offering to reimburse for acupuncture and 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 some of the holistic therapies. So I, I think that, that that that's happening, but it definitely needs to be more because wellness should not be a privileged shouldn't shouldn't be for privileged people that can pay out of pocket for it you know right. it's not fair it's, it should be available to everybody because it's simple it's effective and it can help so many people so it shouldn't be something that's only available for people that you know that can pay out of pocket for it well right now the insurance companies are looking at it like it's voodoo and yeah. I, I think, I mean, they're trying, to, you know, I, I like people tell me like they get reimbursed for our sessions and stuff, but they have to jump through, you know, ridiculous oops. hoops of like filling out tons of paperwork and, and, and all this stuff to like, where they're just like, oh, it's just not even worth it. You know what I mean? Like they just sometimes just make it so hard with their, you know, kind of bureaucracy and the systems, which, you know, and, and again, some people just don't have that capacity to navigate you know, the internet for hours or, you know, to, you know, sit on the other end of the phone and talk with people because some people just don't have the time or the energy and the wherewithal to do that. So that's, that's when it becomes really unfortunate. But like I said, a lot of, the, you know, a lot of things, there are things we can do on our own, you know, and, and there's, and when we start doing things on our own, then all of a sudden we start hearing about other things that are available to us. Like, you know, when we're willing to say, let me try, you know, a little exercise or let me try a little bit of the meditation or let me try and read this book. Yeah. And then when you do that, all of a sudden you're like, huh, look at it. it has a website for, you know, for, for more things I can do. And then you go to that and then you say, oh, wow, someone was telling me there's a, a guy down the street and, uh, you know, I'm going to go to him. And you know what I mean? It's just like these things have this, this ability to pick up some momentum once we plant a seed. That's and right. And say, I want to try this. And then all of a sudden the universe, you know, con conspires to in our healing. You know, I mean, our body's natural affinities are, are towards balance, equanimity. I mean, our, we get a cut, our, it, it heals. So we, we are more prone to that, but we just have to allow it and we have to be vigilant with it. That's right. It snowballs and yes. who knows where it'll, where it'll go. Hopefully, it, hopefully it'll 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 turn into a snowman, big bowl. Listen, yes, <laughs> listening to podcasts like this, you know, I mean, that's, these are these are really good steps in the right direction that Definitely. you know that inspire and uplift us. And then when we're in that place of upliftment and inspiration, then we're like, all right, we're going to go out there and we're going to give this a try. You and know, it. that doesn't work. We'll try something else. Now, Melissa, what is your website address? It's www.melissamayer.org. M E L I S S A M A Y E R dot org. So on melissamayer.org, there's links to um, podcasts I've been on, links to my book, Recovering My True Self, which is available on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, and wherever books are sold. And also my contact information to do a phone consult and also my healing community where you can read the healing story I was telling you about and also submit your healing story. So anybody 
out there, Jimmy, obviously you have an amazing healing story. I know you're very busy <laughs> doing yeah. podcasts too, but anybody who wants to uh, send in their healing story, it doesn't have to be long, 300 words. I mean, people don't have a long attention span. They click quickly. So just a short story of how you've experienced healing today in the past or how you're hoping to get it in your future. I'd love to hear from you. Well, let me just say this. If you didn't get the address, it's going to be in the show notes for this episode. And definitely you have to contact her. But even more important, you have to get her book. (laughs) And you have to read the website. This is the most conversational website that's out there right now. It's going to be just like you're talking to Melissa. It's going to be like she's sitting right across the table from you. (laughs) It. Thank you. She's not talking down to you. She's talking to you. She's not talking at you. She's talking to you. And it's an enjoyable website. And you can listen to other podcasts that she's been on. And I won't get jealous, I promise you. So... (laughs) So you have to check out this website, and you definitely have to check out the book. Melissa, this has been a pleasure. This has definitely been a pleasure today. And your story. Thank you. Your story about you and your husband, that's amazing. I've I've been waiting to talk to you about this. That's just super amazing. I know you guys are going to be together for life. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Jimmy. This was such a pleasure for me as well. And your generosity, I really appreciate all of it. Much Uh, love to you. I I just love talking to you today. But hopefully we can talk again. Anytime. Definitely. Well, thanks again for being here today. And I'll talk to you again soon. Very good. Have a great day. I'd like to thank Melissa Mayer for being with us today. And I hope you can see what I mean by saying a strong, gentle soul. She just makes you feel at ease when you're talking to her and listening to her. And make sure you check out her website and definitely check out her book. Thank you, the listener, for being here today. Because without you, we're nothing. And I want to remind you, no matter what... No matter what, things can always be worse, my friends. Right now, there's somebody somewhere wishing that they were in your position. So no matter what, things can always be worse. Hey, coming up on the podcast next, we're going to have Lynn Bowman. Does that name sound familiar? She was on a couple of couple of months ago. She is the grandma who makes brownies for breakfast. You're not going to want to miss this one. She's a little bit crazy. She's a little bit funny. She's a little bit rock and roll. (laughs) She's going to be on the next episode of An Apple a Day. You're going to want to hear it. Trust me. Again, thanks again, Melissa, for being with us. Everybody, check out her website. Check out her book. All her information, her website information is in the show notes for this episode. So check them out. Have a great day, everybody. You've been listening to An Apple a Day. My name is Jimmy Apple. I'll talk to you again real soon. Thanks for listening to An Apple a Day with Jimmy Apple, your gateway to a happy, healthy life. Join our community at www.famousapple.com. 
See you next time.